Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of OIMS Unfiltered. Today we'll be going over scholarships, financial aids, and everything you need to know about paying for your tuition. My name is Noor, and I just finished up my first year of health sciences at Queen's University. My name is Samira, and I'm currently a senior in high school going into U Ottawa to study biomedical sciences. So first up, we're going to be talking about volunteering. So for volunteering, you probably already know that there's a certain amount that your school requires you to do before you graduate. But on top of that, even after you meet that requirement, if you're thinking about applying for scholarships or really any kind of money aid, it's good to have something, you know, flashy, but also something that gives you good experience. You also make sure you're doing something that you actually enjoy. Um, just because I feel like in times like those, you do build necessary skills that you need in I don't know, any other career field that you're interested in, or possibly also with your schoolwork. Um, just because volunteering is, as many of you know, unpaid, um, you do have to be able to manage your time properly so that you're actually spending proper time um, doing things that you actually enjoy, but also that you're making sure that you're balancing that with school and work, whatever else you have. Sometimes I've had some experiences in the past, which we'll get into more, where I've, I've been volunteering and there's nothing, you know, bad with the volunteering job that I have it's just it's I'm not interested in it at all and I feel like I'm managing my time for absolutely no reason because I'm not really learning anything that is important in my opinion or important in a job sector that I plan on going into so it's important that you just don't volunteer for the sake of volunteering but also think about the fact that you're investing your time and energy into something I've actually done like a few different things but my most recent one I've actually started doing is um helping out I don't know if you've heard of Sending Sunshine. It's basically like a not-for-profit corporation that kind of helps to reduce the effects of social isolation and loneliness among senior citizens in the community. Um, I actually started doing this over the pandemic just because, you know, people have been kind of sitting around in their houses all day. It's kind of difficult to communicate with one another. And I think especially during those times, senior citizens have like the biggest impact. Um, but basically what we do is we just like write nice cards to them and we also just mail them to them and they kind of just get to open them up be like oh my god someone actually cares um someone's looking out for us just stuff like that it's really nice i feel like that's something you'd also enjoy my favorite volunteering job was for this family wellness center called kind minds where i am from and i actually heard about them through one of their tiktok promotions and mm -hmm. so basically it was a it was like an administrative job i called up I made meetings and I got to get like involved in planning activities and the reason that I chose to stick around with them for like a, I think it's been a year and a half now was mainly because I got to talk and be in sessions where they talked about mental health problems and actually talk to psychiatrists and see what their thought process was through the different meetings that we held. So for doctor-patient privilege reasons, I wasn't allowed to go too much into uh, their sessions, but I could sit for, the, you know, the group meetings and kind of see mm -hmm. what they were doing to help them out. And it was, it was very interesting. And it, it got me to understand how much work goes into psychiatry. It's not just, it is a cool job, but there's, it, it can be really taxing which is why I, I don't think it would be the career for me. I, for a long time, I did think it was, but while I was applying, I was like, mm, maybe not. So it's important to have volunteering experiences, but also make sure to spend your time wisely. Like that's exactly what's so great about volunteering. You can kind of just try different career fields and kind of just explore everything. 
see what you're actually interested in. And if you are interested in something, you can kind of just go into more depth, maybe actually get a job there. Um, and that way you also can like make connections, right? That also help with your future. Exactly. And so when we talk about jobs in, in the next few minutes, we a lot of my references were actually from volunteering positions. I was kind of stressed about where I would get those references from, especially because we're so young. We might not have a lot of mm-hmm. job experiences and references to give. So it, it's cool to have that. But in terms of actually getting those volunteering ap- applications, like, I don't know about you, Nora, but I was, I didn't get like a call or like an email back from so many places. Oh no, a hundred percent. They don't always reply. That's the thing too. Um, a lot of the time they also just have a lot of people. So like sometimes it's not even that's you. It's just like a lot of people have applied that year or whatever. Um, so I think it's important to just keep going, keep trying, keep trying to find different places to apply to. Because someone will say yes, someone will accept you. <laughs> On top of that, I feel like what really worked for me to get an email back is, one, just keep applying. You'll like, spam different places. What I mean by that is, like, find different places and just keep sending them the same generic email with some, you know, some more related words to that specific position. And honestly, call them up find their yeah. uh, phone yeah. number and call them because one they get to like see and like have some kind of like a understanding of what kind of personality you can bring but also they keep in mind that hey this one person called me that day i should probably check my email to see if they you know set an application exactly yeah and on that too like even walking in like if you know places like nearby just walk in they're more likely to accept you if you actually made the effort to go into their place and try to apply there Exactly. And honestly, it's, you, they remember your face and you're not just exactly. a random PDF file that gets sent to them. <laughs> These opportunities also kind of give you a segue into getting job opportunities. Um, so in that case, you actually get paid for what you do and what you enjoy. Um, do you have any experiences about that, Samira? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly like how, if you worked before, I know that you're working right now, but for me, I started working when I, as soon as it was legal to work, I believe that's 14 in Ontario. And mm-hmm. I, I started off with a not great fast food job and I moved to retail, mm-hmm. which is where I'm working now. And one of the best things in my opinion is that the financial independence that you get exactly. is absolutely amazing. There are obviously pros and cons to it because when you get a lot of money, not a lot, but like a considered amount of money in your hands at such a young age, you might want to spend it everywhere you can, but also it leads you to like understand that hey maybe those 200 dollars shoes weren't really worth it <laughs> and so when you know when you're in your 20s or something you could take that experience and you can invest in like good quality pieces that you don't feel like guilty over so mm-hmm. what about you Nora? what has your experiences been i think for me honestly volunteering has helped me so much because even yeah. on my job applications like i put that as my job experience and employers didn't question it. They're like, yeah, like this is an opportunity for growth. This is an opportunity where she learned things. It doesn't have to be an actual job that she got paid for, but she did do something, you know? So as you were saying, Nora, a lot of jobs in interviews will ask you about situation-based questions and having certain uh, volunteering positions gets you to have like a wide array of ways to answer those questions. I volunteered at my high school as a peer assistant leader and Basically, in that position, we were kind of mentors for um, grade nines, but also we helped out at a bunch of school events. And I think from that, like, I learned how to kind of interact with people more. 
and especially with parents and like when they were frustrated or something couldn't find a classroom and I've kind of applied those skills now in my job um I'm a ride operator at Wonderland it's really really fun uh but we do experience like a bunch of like annoyed guests throughout the day or maybe like upset parents their kids can't ride stuff like that I think I've been able to like apply those skills that I've learned from those high school volunteering experiences to that job which I think is super beneficial so it's, it's a great start to volunteer I think I totally agree and that Wonderland job that sounds absolutely funny if I look close to that so space, I would fun. totally apply <laughs> and something that I've done to get either a job or volunteering positions is go on to LinkedIn if you don't uh -huh. have a profile, I don't know what you're doing. You should probably get one, but that's just me. That's just my opinion. Um, if you go onto LinkedIn and you look at your connections and you see what they have done before, you can get like a good idea of what you might want your experience to look like and reach out to those similar places yeah. because it shows that they are actually hiring or they are looking for people who are in your similar age group. You know, thanks for bringing that up. I completely forgot about that. That's a great, great app. So talking about these volunteering experiences or job experience that you have, they can actually transfer onto your scholarship applications and can make you stand out. You know, a lot of the time, um, some scholarships will, like, will actually have requirements of saying, what activities did you do outside of school? What places did you volunteer at? Um, what jobs did you do even? Just like, they kind of just want to collect information about you and see what you've done and where you're trying to go and see if like you're worthy of that scholarship from school. Exactly. So having a good solid array and stuff that you need to talk about is something to keep in mind, especially if you're perhaps going into your junior year or sophomore year, because mm -hmm. you do tend to have a lot of time doing that. There's also scholarships that are like completely irrelevant to what um, career fairs are going into. Like I know I've heard of like a left-handed scholarship. Like if you're left-handed, <laughs> you could apply. Couldn't you easily like lie about that? Just yes, like, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Unless okay. they make you like come in for like an interview and be like, yeah, show us your left-handed skills. If they're giving me like $500 to do that, I will learn. <laughs> I will take hours of the day before just learning how to be left-handed. Okay. No, literally. So, so what we're, oh yeah. So a tip that I've gotten for some of my friends who have applied to a lot of different scholarships is that so much money from scholarships go wasted. Like a yeah. lot of people think, oh, I'm not going to get into that scholarship. So exactly. they just apply but they easily could have because there are very like there's smaller amounts of money scholarships like 100 200 500 mm -hmm. that not but those add up claim exactly right if you do like two of those you easily get a thousand and you can cover like a solid amount of tuition fees yeah no like there's so many same with, like left-handed scholarship thing there's so many like different scholarships that people can't apply for anyway so if mm -hmm. you meet the requirements for something just just apply just apply. exactly exactly not to sound like an old person, but we have so many resources available online, some generic searches like scholarships for insert criteria that you meet will get you mm -hmm. really far. Me and Noor, we actually designed a Google Docs with links to various resources or different topics that you might want to get your head around before applying to certain places, whether it's OSAP, bursaries, or any kind of scholarships that you have. So feel free to check that out in the, in the podcast description. Big tip, check your emails, because I remember in high school, my guidance counselor would send out, like, monthly emails of, like, all the scholarships that were open that month, and I never took advantage of them. I really wish I did. There was many, many, many documents with many, many links to a bunch of different scholarships that I probably should have applied for. 
exactly it's it's such an important like scholarships and financial aids aside checking your email is is a habit i know hard to get into but i've missed too many very important (laughs) emails it's it's not even funny honestly but yeah okay me and Noor, before we started recording this podcast, we were talking about how she's doing some summer courses right now. And something that I just found out is that the way that it works for high school students is not the way that it works for a lot of university students. Do you want to get more into that? Yeah, 100%. So in high school, most of the time, like your courses are going to be kind of squished into one month, whereas in the year you'd have like the whole year to take that course. But in university, how it works is that um, there's basically three kind of terms or semesters throughout the year. There's like the fall term, the winter term, and the summer term. Um, I don't know why we don't have a spring term, but it just works like that, four months per term. Um, so when you take a summer course, it could be anywhere from like the entire four months or half of that, so two months, depending on how many credits it is. So courses that are usually six credits um, span those four months, and courses that are usually half that so three credits spend the two months um it really depends on what you're trying to like what course you're trying to get into and also um what courses are available that term yeah so some people like to take the harder courses during the summer just because they think that they'll have room throughout the year to take an easier course um again it's up to the person i think i know for me i just think it's easier to take it throughout the year so i have people that are taking the hard course with me um because having that kind of support system is also really important that's just my opinion. What do you think, Samira? So for me, my experience has not been great personally. It's uh, I know that in my guidance classroom, they suggested that you don't take hard subjects like physics or science or you know calculus or something like that in your summer courses. And I didn't listen to them. I thought I would be the one who would show them up <laughs> and I'd, I'd get a perfect grade, walk out. And I know for a lot of people that did happen. But in my experience, what happened was I took grade 11 physics in my grade 10 summer right and so when Mm -hmm. I did that I had two solid years of doing absolutely nothing for physics before grade 12 physics started so my first day in I I forgot everything I'm I'm, like what's a vector I don't know what's a displacement (laughs) I don't know and so that for me it was really really hard so I, I would personally suggest that maybe you don't take a lot of the hard courses in the summertime, rather do something more easier, like maybe an elective that you need to get over, or if you're very good with English, get that through in the summertime so that you have more time for courses that you need to invest that time into during the school year. Yeah, I agree. I think I took, um, I believe it was grade 12 French on um, the summer after my 11th year. And honestly, it wasn't too bad, but I think for me, I also kind of just missed the in-class learning because for us, it was completely asynchronous. Like we didn't meet once over Zoom or anything and just kind of keeping up with that all during the summer by yourself is kind of just difficult. And it's really hard to stay motivated, I think. Um, but as for physics, also grade 11 physics is a hard course to start off online um, just because it's like completely new. Like it's not like taking grade 12 physics after you do grade 11 physics. So I don't know how you did it, perhaps to you. Good job there. I dropped out three days in. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, honestly, good choice. Because it would have been so hard. Um, I remember my first day in physics, my teacher was like, if you don't know how to do math, you can just get out now. Like he oh sure just said that. He was like, That's... I'm not here to teach you math. I'm here to teach you physics. And I was like, oh. 
that I hate when teachers do that because like I get it but also maybe don't be a jerk about it I know oh, okay but I don't know if we want to include this in the recording or not but I'm doing calculus right now and oh my god it's been a pain it's I I just got I one of my marks back like while we were talking I got a notification uh-huh. I was like I have to open it and I feel <laughs> like I just like it gained like 20 years of depression just looking oh at no that. I'm so sorry it's it's okay did you take calculus I did I hated um like the trig unit yeah everything else I think for me like I'm good with numbers so I honestly like doing math but trig just is like a whole nother level of math like it's it's a different it's, it's just different <laughs> I literally don't know how people can like numbers. Like I look at something <laughs> that's longer than three digits and I want to throw up. It's <sighs> okay. Anyways, what is the difference between a scholarship and a bursary? Like a bursary is something for like financial need versus where a scholarship can be for like literally anyone. So let's get into definitions. Scholarships, grants, and bursaries are types of financial assistance that you don't have to pay back. Scholarships mm. are typically based on merit. While grants and bursaries usually take financial need into consideration as well. Mary, I think for scholarships could be anywhere from like um, artistic things or like creative things to like athletics to maybe even like just like different talents that you have. Um, Whereas bursaries, I think are more just like you kind of apply for them and if they feel like you're deserving of one, you do get them. Exactly. And to get more specific about the merit scholarships, I i don't know if you guys have heard of these, but if you have a weighted GPA of like 3.9 or above, you're eligible for president's scholarships. To talk about those like specifically merit-based scholarships, they're typically awarded for outstanding academic scores. So generally an average of at least 80%. Although some merit scholarships can be awarded for higher averages or leadership potential or other special characteristics. Just to like touch on like Queens, I think specifically, I know we have major admission awards and those are specifically for people that like demonstrate, this is exactly from the website, demonstrate superior academic ability, creative and original thinking, involvement in school or community activities and proven leadership. So any of those traits, if you have them, apply for major admission award. And then to touch a bit more on bursaries themselves, they're based on financial need. They may also have academic requirements, but their main purpose is to support students without the means to afford school otherwise. So when applying, you may need to show why you need assistance and where your need is the greatest is important. Last night, I applied for OSAP. And... Ontario Student Assistance Program, or OSAP, which is something I hope you guys have heard of, is a financial aid program that can help you pay for college or university. And basically what OSAP does, it offers funding through grants, which is money you don't have to pay back, or student loan, money you need to repay once you're done school. And I finished up with my OSAP application basically last night. And before you do it, there's a little survey that you need to do, which I was really happy about, to be honest, because I learned about different definitions and how the program works. How was that application like for you? For me, it honestly was a pretty smooth um, application process. Like I really like how it's all kind of laid out for you and you kind of just follow the steps and fill out what you need to fill out. Mm-hmm. It also wasn't too long, I think. Like I I remember doing it um, a few months ago for the next school year. It took yeah. me maybe about 20-ish minutes, I think. It's, um, it's not a very long um, application process. Exactly. You do need to 
have is your SIN number. You need to have an idea of how much your parents or guardians may make. I was just going to say that they also kind of save the information from the previous year. So when I was doing it this year, all I had to do was like click like next, next, next. It was already all there for me. And I just changed the things that were like different. Like if I made money throughout the year, I've, I've that in um, anything like that. But everything else is kind of already there for me. So it's kind of nice to have um, everything saved. Exactly. So if you want to learn more exactly from the perfect websites that we've found, the links are all available in the Google Docs that, as you mentioned, you can check out in the podcast description. Uh, but to get a little bit more about what OSAP is, if you don't repay your OSAP loan, your loan could be forwarded to a collection agency. So as a result, you could become ineligible for future OSAP loans and your income tax or tax refund could be withheld. So that's some scary stuff, but I feel like it's good to know what you're getting into because sometimes it sounds too good to be true, right? Like this random agency is paying for your education for what? There's obviously, you, you have to spend wisely. You have to be careful with what you do, but let's talk about what happens. So first step, you apply for your OSAP, you have your information down and OSAP grants you for X amount of money. What happens next? Um, at least for me, I remember they basically, for Queens, they just pay directly to the institution. And then whatever is extra, like if you have extra grants or loans or whatever, it goes into your bank account. Um, but that, that doesn't mean that it's just for you. I strongly recommend you keep that money aside in case you ever need it for like extra textbooks or resources or any school supplies, maybe even a computer or something. Um, just because that's the money that you're going to get for the year and there's no going back and getting more. Um, so make sure you're spending your money wisely. Exactly. And so another cool thing that I learned about while I was doing the OSAP application was something called an RESP. It's different from an RRSP. I'm specifically talking about the Registered Education Savings Plan. I would really suggest that you talk to your parent or guardian about whether or not they have something like that set up. If it's possible for you to have anything like that set up, either for you or any of your younger siblings. So what it is, is it's basically a dedicated saving plan to help you save for your own education after high school. And typically parents or guardians start that up. Most RSPs are open for children, but you can open an RSP for yourself or another adult. And the person who opens a plan is called the subscriber. So what happens is that according to the website that we have linked in the Google Doc, the RSP does not affect the amount of OSAP that you can receive. So that means that on top of the loan and grant that OSAP gives you, you can potentially also have an RSP which can go towards whatever education that you have. So feel free to have a conversation with your parent and guardian to see if you can get one set up or perhaps, you know, like me, you find out that you have had one for a few years now. So yeah. The interesting thing I learned a couple, um, I think weeks ago, was that you can actually just like take the grants from OSAP and not worry about the loans. So literally anyone can get free money. How does that work? I think like you just you just take um, the grants that you want to basically use and just not accept the loans. Like I think there's an option for that in OSAP somewhere where you just you just say no to the loans and just take the grants, which is honestly great because if if you want it, like if you don't really need the money that much, you're just kind of looking for just kind of help to help you tuition off and stuff, and, like not actually resources or anything else or residents even. You maybe not like you might not need all loans and grants combined to pay for everything. And so as for OSAP submissions, I feel like after talking to my friend group, I applied 
quite early. According to the website, you can submit your OSAP application no later than 60 days before the end of your study period. So if you're going into university in uh, the fall, you can take a little bit of time to get all that information in, do your own research, check out our resources, and then you can continue with your applications. Wait, did you say before the end of the study period or the start of the study period? It, according to the Ontario.ca, it says before the end of your study period. Okay, so let's talk no about how in that case, if you if you wait until later, make sure that you have enough money to pay for your first like first um, semester tuition because mm -hmm. they will normally charge you before the end of the semester, right? So if right. you get OSAP later, it's most likely going to be like a payback to you, not like you using that money to pay for tuition, if that makes sense. Exactly. So we recommend you apply to OSAP eight to 10 weeks mm -hmm. before the start of your study period. So it depends on your school. So for some resources that you might see online, we, there is a deadline to apply for OSAP 2022, which is June 13th. But just make sure that you do your own research, talk to your academic guidance counselors. And as for the OSAP application process, it typically takes four to six weeks. So like we said in the previous segment before, check your emails. Mm -hmm. Always check your emails. Because there's also, um, like, I think it goes to two different services. There's like a national something, something loan service, and then also OSAP. Um, but the other place is only for loans. So if you're getting loans and grants, watch out for two different emails, one from OSAP and one from that loan place. <laughs> exactly. Once your application has hopefully been approved and everything's good to go, what can you spend that money on? Really, it, it, with the RESP, if you have one or TAFSA, any kind of money that you get, you are pretty much good to spend it wisely on anything that you think would help your education. So that part can go into your housing or residency or living expenses paying for your books yeah, exactly like even application i'm pretty sure they ask what you're what like what you want to spend the money on um so they kind of allocate the proper amount that you need for either housing or residency or expenses or whatever else you need right. transportation sometimes and so i'm moving into a completely different city in the next one or like three two months and mm -hmm. I also applied for residency on the same night that I applied for OSAP. So if there's something called an OSAP estimator, and through that, you can kind of estimate how much you can potentially get from OSAP. And using that, I figured out what kind of residency I can afford. So mm -hmm. how did you tackle that while we're, when you were applying? I did the exact same thing as you. Um, but luckily for me, our residency applications don't, like, they didn't come out until I think August or something. So I actually knew how much funding I was getting and not like didn't have to estimate, I believe. I think That's so. good. That's yeah. good. And okay, let me just verify this before I say, but do you know that it's mandatory to live on first year on residence for everywhere? No, it's not mandatory. You don't have to. Actually, a lot of people don't get into residency. Like I know for Queens, we don't, we don't have enough spots for all the first years. Some people really? don't even get a chance. To, yeah, I know. It's kind of sad. No, it is really sad. So as you mentioned that there aren't a lot of slots available for some universities, but for me in Ottawa, first year uh, residency is guaranteed for all first. That's great. That's students. so nice. Right. I, I know, right? It's, it's like a, you don't have to like rush over to the website because sometimes they do crash. University mm -hmm. websites, unfortunately, can be quite unreliable sometimes. No, let, let me tell you how we chose our residences. Like it was like, 
um, almost kind of like a, like you got a time slot, you went on the website and at that time slot, that was your chance to pick out what room you wanted and stuff, like even the, the residence building and everything. Um, but because it was kind of like a lottery, you could have gotten yeah. like the last time slot. And then in that, you didn't have your first choice of residency. You know what I mean? That's so unfair. It's so stressful as well. Because like, what if the time slot that you got, you weren't available that day to like open up your laptop or something? You know what I mean? That's very true. And uh, something that I also did when I was applying for my dorm was I went on YouTube and I searched for yes, dorm yes. vlogs. Do that. Do that. I, also, I love them. Uh-huh. Look for um, like actual video tours of the room that you want sometimes the pictures online don't look like the exact room and there's a lot of youtubers that have actually been to universities and residences that have literal like videos of where they're basically staying and for me i found some good youtube videos or vlogs from actual u ottawa mm-hmm. students so that you can get kind of like an exactly mostly unbiased review of what your room could potentially look like and the best part for me is i don't know if you guys in the audience are planning on moving to dorms or not but if you are you're probably also stressing about what you want to bring because sometimes what you want to bring for one university might not be what you want to bring for another one and so mm-hmm. having those little vlogs god bless their souls for having those uh really saved my back yeah i know a big tip you can't bring everything from home into that room it's not gonna fit <laughs> try and pick the essentials um i know it's, it's just so easy to like pack up your whole entire room and be like okay yeah i need everything that's here to be over there but honestly, you don't. Like, you're barely going to spend any time in that room. A lot of the time, you're either in classes or you're at the library or you're with your friends. So you really don't need everything. Kind of pick and choose what's important. And so another part of my residency application was talking about meal plans. And meal plans can be quite expensive for some uh, universities. For me, it really hiked up my fees that I have to pay for dorms. The yeah. money that I would have had to pay for that dorm without the meal plan was significantly lower than the money I'd have to pay with the meal plan. And so I really hope that every single dollar that goes into it makes it all worth it. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking for those dorms, whether or wherever you plan on living, just make sure you take that into consideration because I hate cooking. And so I feel like it's worth that I put that much money into it because I need to eat. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. No, because like I think that's actually why it actually costs more just because um, the ease of like not having to make your own meals or like have a supplies to cook kind of cuts into that cost because if you do live off campus like I know some of my friends live off campus first year and like they didn't pay as much for food and stuff as I did for the meal plan um, but again I do think they cut into like into the price of making food for us and like not having to go around and buy groceries and stuff like that exactly because I I already do that like I buy I don't know if this is going to go into the episode or not but I like it's such a I don't know if you bought your groceries or or you've had that experience but I do it frequently and it's such a pain like Mm -hmm. taking the bus taking like five bags of groceries everywhere exactly not fun I mean not to say like you need to have snacks in your room at all times though because that's an essential but that's different that's different from having like a full fridge full of things exactly so for Ottawa, we have seven days before classes start of the time that you have to be in your dorms to the time that school starts. So in that time, you were basically feel like you can roam the campus, meet friends, do whatever. Did you have that for Queens? Yeah, we did. We had um like a kind of like an orientation week, um, which luckily for us, because last year they kind of had to cancel it because of COVID and stuff. And um, but we did have that. 
I think for our week we kind of just went on tours of like buildings around around campus basically and like where classes are as well I don't know if you guys know about this but at least for Queens we have coveralls and they basically have our program name and our year and every year it's kind of like tradition to just paint it and get it as messy as we can um and it's kind of like it's a really fun experience because everyone's kind of just throwing paint at you and you're just wearing your coveralls and you go off to like after and have some food it's, it's really really fun that does sound like fun oh my gosh so I think my biggest tip would be as I mentioned before don't bring an entire room I made that mistake and I literally brought everything with me and I got there and I was like I don't have space for any of this so what I'm gonna do I just bring half of it back home <laughs> um yeah like also like pick and choose what clothes you want to bring because there's not enough space in this closet to move in your entire wardrobe um I recommend sweats as much as possible like I literally live in my sweats in university in our future episodes we really want to get more into moving in like stuff that you want to remember for those days what you want to bring everything that you want to remember so keep an eye out for that some stuff that you want to remember when making whether or not you want to make a spreadsheet or writing down what you want to spend your money on think about your tuition and your fees your books your supplies on electronics or whatever you want to invest on your housing paying for your rent paying for food paying for transportation or any kind of entertainment no you've got to have fun right so and and other expenses such as your cell phone your clothing your furnishings yeah at least for us we have to pay for laundry i'm not sure if it's the same for the university but for us we have to pay like outside of tuition and stuff. You're going to watch me get like a huge bathtub of soap <laughs> and doing it like they did in the 1700s or whatever. <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed this episode of OIMS Unfiltered where we talked about volunteering, applying, summertime applications, different volunteering and jobs, scholarships, bursaries, and most importantly, OSAP grants and loans. And a bit about housing and residency, keep an eye out for future episodes where we dig deep into different moving out things that we wish we had known about, first year hacks, and tips for university in general. So if you know anyone who's interested in knowing more about scholarships and financial aids, please feel free to share with your friends and family. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts at OIMS Unfiltered. Go follow us at Ontario Youth Med Society on Instagram if you haven't already. We host events, create big posts, and so much more. Have a great day, guys. We'll see you on the next one.